Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. You have multiplied exultation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Great will be his authority and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom He shall establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness. And from this time onward and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious Lord, we gather this morning in this tabernacle to hear your word read and proclaimed. Open our ears that we would clearly hear what you say to us. Open our eyes that we would see glimpses of your presence in this space and in our lives. Open our hearts that we would know your love for us. But Lord, transform our souls. Transform our very lives so that we would leave this place not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. It's fair to say that all of us have experienced myriads of sadness in our lives, moments where our feelings have been hurt, where we have maybe been disappointed by others. We've maybe performed poorly on a test or an evaluation. And maybe in those moments we have marked this sadness by tears and a little bit of sadness in our hearts. But then we have moved on. There's sad like that. And then there is sad, S period, A period, D period. This idea of a a seasonal affective disorder It's really a mental health condition in which sort of depression is brought on by reduction in the total sunlight hours. I mean, we kind of all know this a little bit when before daylight savings time, it would get dark after 6.30 and now it's dark by 5.30 here. And our daughter in Vermont, she says it gets dark 4.30 there and the sun doesn't rise again until sometime after 6.30. I can't imagine that much darkness. 
And yet what happens is that darkness closes in, it begins to affect sort of our mental well-being. It sort of gives us a sense of hopelessness from time to time, a, a tiredness, maybe even a tendency to overeat because we're seeking comfort. And so we go to those things that bring us comfort, the comfort foods, mac and cheese, that kind of thing. We go to this as sort of seasonal effect disorder, and what we know is we know that it's temporary, but it really gets in our heads literally and figuratively. But there is treatment for it as well. One of the best treatments is a contraption that they call a light box, and to be honest with you, I've seen it. It's just a big lamp, but I guess calling it a light box makes it sound much more technical. But anyway... It's a light box and you can truly have one of three types of bulbs in it. You can have a, a white full spectrum light bulb of about 10,000 lumens, or you could sort of do a blue light in the 480 nanometer spectrum of about 2,500 lumens, or maybe you could get something in the green light spectrum in the 500 nanometer spectrum and uh, at 350 lumens. I dare you to go to Lowe's and ask for any one of the latter two They'll kind of look at you like, I don't know what a nanometer is, much less a spectrum. But anyway, they'll go to that one. Just get the big white light. And really what it is, it's like a gigantic lamp. And what you're supposed to do is set it on your desk or the table and spend about 30 to 60 minutes in front of it each day. And what it does is that extra light sort of lifts our spirits. In other words, the light overcomes the sadness, if you will that seasonal affective disorder. And what we're going to think about this is this idea of spending time in the light gives us hope in this season of darkness. And while that works in the winter months and the times in which we're dealing with daylight savings time or standard time in the winter, I think there's a metaphor here for us as well. Isaiah, speaking on God's behalf, understood this sense of spending time in the light that it gives us hope. He understood this on a theological and a spiritual level. And so as we look at his text, and we look at the whole letter of Isaiah, he sort of names the condition of the people. The Israelites were sort of the worst of times for them. It was a period that was dark and bleak in their history. There were threats from the Assyrian Empire, their self-worth and their pride was very low. It was sort of grim and depressing. They had a sense of hopelessness as a people. They were truly, as he writes, in the land of deep darkness. And yet in this passage, we find words of hope. First, it starts with this idea of light when he says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light and those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. But once he moves from light, he talks about a son. He says, the promise of a son to be born. Now, what this really means is, as we know in our own lives, a child being born means that there is still hope for the future. A congregation that's baptizing infants says that we as a people believe that the work of our church, the work of this congregation, will go forward. So the fact that a child will be born tells the Israelites that there's hope that you have a future but even more so when he gets down to a son. Now what we know in that time is it was, ever, it was a patriarchal society, so a son being born means that the line, that the lineage will continue. And then Isaiah names the son. And what we know about naming is that naming has power. It tells a story in its own right. Think of your own name or the name that you gave your children 
or the names of your nephews or your nieces or your grandchildren. Those names have power. They tell a story. So Isaiah says, his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's hope in this child. And the result of this hope, of this light shining in the darkness, is that there will be endless peace and that the throne of justice and righteousness will live forevermore. Isaiah has a message of hope because the darkness cannot compete with the light. And so as we begin our Advent worship, the season of time in which we prepare our hearts to celebrate and make way for the child born king, the child who brought hope to the world, we begin with what we see in this room. We've decorated the sanctuary. My guess is you have decked the halls in your homes, maybe at school and at work. But just as we deck the halls with trees and candles and lights and poinsettias and singing Santas and nativities and such, we can't neglect to decorate our hearts. To decorate our hearts with the light of hope. The light that chases the darkness away. And as we decorate our hearts, as we deck the halls of our hearts in this light, we must live in that light. What we know on a personal level is that things don't always go the way we want them to go. They don't always go as dream. Things go bump in the night, and it can be very depressing. It can be very sad. Sometimes these are things that are of our own fault. I think of a meme that I saw the other day that says, you're exactly where you are because you make poor choices. I mean, it's harsh. But sometimes we find ourselves in the predicaments that we're in as a consequence of our action. But other times we find ourselves in darkness because folks have let us down or sometimes things just happen. And sometimes in that desperation, in that sadness, in that darkness, we think that we can talk our way out or buy our way out or gift our way out of it or work our way out of it. And sometimes that works, but oftentimes the true depth of that darkness still comes back around us like quicksand. But it's in those times of darkness that the scripture from Isaiah rings true for us. It's in those times of darkness that we begin to realize that a light has shined in our lives, has shined upon you and me. That Christ was sent to rescue us from the darkness that we find ourselves in. Christ was sent to rescue us from the darkness that threatens to swallow us up. And so we change the focus of our lives and we fix them upon him and his love for us, we begin to live in that light. And as we change our focus from a self-centered me-ism to a Christ-centered theism, we begin to see the difference that it makes. And when we anchor our lives in Christ, they are irrevocably changed for the better. See, the hope of Christ lets us stand in the face of any adversity that comes our way. It lets us stand in the face of the darkness knowing that the glory of Christ shones right beside us and chases the darkness to the corners. It's that hope of Christ that allows a colleague of mine who's been battling cancer for several years to put on Facebook that I'm thankful for the doctors and the treatment that I've received in the hospital, but I'm going home to hospice. And I ask for your prayers for my family as they care for me. 
See, he knows the road is drawing short, but yet he has hope because he knows the resurrection for his life was there and it's out in front of him because he has the light in his heart. It's that same light that allowed a friend of mine to stand just a week ago up in a pulpit to eulogize his 28-year-old son who had died, something that no father or no mother should have to do, and yet he could stand there and talk about the hope of resurrection even in the midst of his crushing loss because he stood in the light, the light that shined in the darkness. It doesn't erase their tears, but by anchoring their souls in victory of Christ, by anchoring their souls in his child-born king, they see the light that shines deep in the darkness and chases it away. They know what we have found in this place. They know that they've seen the darkness experientially in their own lives, but friends, the darkness is out in the world all around us. We know from the headlines that there is war in Africa and in Europe and in the Middle East. We know that there's desperation in the refugee camps right outside those conflicts, but also in the Darien Gap and on the southern border. That there are folks seeking hunger, seeking food and shelter in every city in the country, including our own. That there are children in foster care who just want to know that they matter and just want to know that they are loved. See, all of these are examples of some darkness of some sort that surrounds our world. And our faith tells us two things. It tells us first that God is in charge and has a plan. And second, the part of it is that that plan is Jesus Christ. That God sent his son to be the light to the world, to bring peace, to proclaim release of the captives, to recover the sight to the blind, and to heal the sick. And our faith in that one sent as a child in Bethlehem tells us this. We hear his words to us on the mountainside where he said, you are the light of the world. So he looked at us and he said, I came as the light, but now you are the light of the world, meaning that we are to reflect that light. You essentially walked in darkness, but now you saw it and now you must bear it to the world. So friends, we are called to go into that darkness and chase it to the corners. We're called to roll up our sleeves. We're called to be peacemakers, to stop the fights that we see in our midst, to encourage parties to listen to each other, to mediate their discussions, to help find a better solution in which everyone wins. We are called to free the oppressed. And what I mean by that is to advocate for those whose voices are not heard, to make room at the table in the meetings for them and policies that are enacted to be thinking about them always, to act on their behalf. And we're to recover sight to the blind. And what I mean by that is that we are to reflect the light of Christ in our lives such that they see it through us, that their eyes are open to the goodness of what we have found in this place, in God's kingdom. And thus, if we do that, then we become the light box, if you will. We become the 10,000 lumen bright, white, full spectrum light that heals the world through the power of the Holy Spirit and letting God work through us. So think about this on a darker, gloomier day that we have. This afternoon at 5 o'clock, we will have our service of hope and healing 
It's ironic, it starts at five as the darkness begins to fall. Sort of this idea of seasonal effect disorder hits every one of us. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's already getting dark. But we know that the cure for this is the light. And the darkness, in a spiritual sense, is around us always. It's in the corners where we look. But folks, we are in the right spot. Right here that we are in the right spot and hope is near. It's right near, it's right here in this room with us. We see it in one candle shining brightly before us. And if you're one that's struggling with this darkness, friends, I'm here to tell you, this is the place for you. Because it's in this house that we find hope. It's at this table that we find grace. It's in this place that we experience God's love. And if you recall the times that there's been darkness in your life and how the Prince of Peace has come in, the mighty counselor, the wonderful God, the everlasting Father, how God has entered in and has chased that darkness, and I encourage you to do the same, to be the one that chases the darkness in the lives of those around you by reflecting the light of God's love. So as we come forward to this table, as we come and we stare at the light, may we realize what has dawned for us, that when we darked in darkness that we had seen a great light, that we lived in the land of darkness, a light has shined upon us. And that we come to this table, we receive the blessing of that light and that we go forth and share it with those that we meet. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.